Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today's podcast is sponsored by fastbitcoins.com. Fastbitcoins provides a simple way for people to buy Bitcoin directly from their bank account or with cash in physical stores. Their services are rapidly growing in availability across the UK, Estonia, as well as Canada and they're launching in Australia soon too. Fast Bitcoins is committed to providing high-quality Bitcoin-only services. They want to make sure that the growing number of people interested in buying and benefiting from the possibilities of Bitcoin can do so easily, securely, and with as few distractions as possible. Learn more about Fast Bitcoins' range of services at fastbitcoins.com, including how you can earn Bitcoin for free through their referral scheme. That is fastbitcoins.com. Fastbitcoins.com. Go check them out. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now on today's episode, we've got on a very special guest. He is a very well-known entrepreneur, investor, um, author of many, many books, blogger. He now does some stand-up comedy. He is an all-around, all-around genius. You know, this guy does a lot of stuff. I've been following his work for a while. I've taken inspiration from several of his books for a lot of the work I've done now with my music and my podcast and everything else. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to the show, James Altucher. Zuby, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm a fan. Uh, you've done so many things, and uh, I'm just, I'm really happy you asked me to come on the show. Awesome. I, I'm honored to have you on here, man, for real. So I've done a longer than usual, but still brief intro there. But for people who may not be familiar with who you are and what you do, how do you describe yourself these days? It's so interesting because we always have to, why do we have to describe ourselves? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I, so I've written a bunch of books. I, um, I've started some companies. Uh, I, and many of my companies that I've started have, have failed miserably. And, you know, I'm always trying to figure out new ways to help people and then to, to maybe monetize that. But it's, it's a very difficult thing. I've been an investor in other companies. And uh, I do a podcast where I bring on, you know, many people who inspire me and who I'm curious about. And I want to have... I want to have answers to my questions. And uh, I don't know, I'm always trying new things and trying to get trying to get better and trying to understand things more and trying to be open minded about what's coming next. Awesome. You said you like to get answers to big questions that you have. So 
what are what are some of those questions that you're currently looking for answers for? Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, un- unfortunately, we're in a very weird time, right? We're in a time when, you know, we f- first we had this this national or this worldwide health pandemic, and nobody really knew because it, because it was so because it was a novel. It was called the novel coronavirus at first. It was is this the first time we've seen this? Nobody really knew what to do, and there was a lot of different opinions. And as is the case, most of the opinions and most of the solutions were wrong. Like it's very rare that we encounter a difficult problem as a society and our first instinct is correct. So we don't really know what solutions we did were wrong, but yes. they, they weren't optimal. I mean, maybe around the world, 100 million, 100 million people lost their livelihoods. Uh, there's, there, you know, many people died also from the health crisis. Uh, many people will have gone homeless by the time this ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's rioting in the streets all around the world. And we, and we could point to the causes. There are very real causes, but there's also yeah. causes that have been simmering underneath the surface for not only the past week since since the horrible events that, that we're thinking of, but also the past few months during this health crisis and also the past 100 years of of simmering anger. And, and people... People either want to look for a solution yeah. or they want to say, you know, now's the time to focus on on love. And neither of those things really address the issues or solve the problems. Mm. There really aren't solutions. I mean, if there's an earthquake, there's not a solution to prevent the earthquake. Yeah. Things have been destroyed and, and you know, it takes time to fix them. And we, we've had more than an earthquake. Mm. We've had a hundred year, we've had a 500 year earthquake. And, you know... I think now's the time when it's more important to have questions than to have answers. And so, you know, on the one hand, questions could be very personal, which is, you know, how can I be better? How can I improve my responses to outside circumstances better? How can I improve as as a human? How can I be more loving, you know, more open to ideas and, and so on? How can I improve in my life? And then there's, you know, questions, which is, you know, what can society do and how can I help with that? And and sometimes we just have to listen and there aren't really answers. Yeah, it's difficult. And everyone has a very different philosophy on this. I mean, for example, on a individual by individual level, but also on a country by country level, you have total different ideas about what level of humanity these solutions and where they should stem from should even sort of begin. So you have much you have people who are much more individualist and think much more from an individualist perspective and then you have people and cultures even where the society is much more collective and people are willing to sacrifice individual freedom or individual liberty etc for what they consider the greater good of the collective whereas you have other people or other cultures where it's like okay I'm going to do what makes sense for me and perhaps my my family and people who are immediately around me. And if everyone else does that, then as a result, we'll, we'll be okay. Whereas you've got this constant clash where you've got people who are minded that way. And then people who are like, no, 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 like we don't want to be thinking on an individual level here. We need a a national level solution or some people even a global level solution that is going to make all of this sort of work. And realistically, you know, as someone who's um tries to be pretty pretty moderated and reasonable, I think there's a 
you're always going to have a compromise there. And I think one of the trickiest things with humanity is that, you know, not everything has a solution. And no one, no one likes to admit that, you know, <laughs> and it's not, um, it's certainly not a, a great political platform for somebody to run on, Yeah. but human beings are extremely complicated at an individual level, let alone when you put millions or hundreds of millions of them, or even billions of them in the same place. And yeah, you always want to strive to make things better, but I kind of feel like a big truth that no one ever really wants to admit is, you know, there are problems that exist which we cannot solve yeah, or which we could not solve without incredible levels of tyranny where you just totally control and dictate absolutely everything uh, people do. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's such an interesting um, dichotomy and there might even be a third element, which I'll get to in a second. But in general, I know for myself, whenever, you know, so I've, I've gone broke several times, meaning, I mean, and some people, I've been grateful that I've been able to have opportunity and have some success and, and sell some businesses. But then often, because for whatever reason, most importantly, because I'm probably somewhat of an idiot, I've gone dead broke after making money and having opportunity and having the opportunity to do good with whatever money I made. You know, I had a family to raise and some I, every now and then, I would make this money, I would lose it all after stupid decisions, and I, and I would take the individualist approach. I would say, okay, nobody's gonna help me. There's, is, there's never been the case that anyone in the world has ever woken up and said, I can't wait to make James Altucher rich today, <laughs> or I can't wait to make James Altucher successful today. That's what I'm going to do today. Mm. So I, I've always been individualist in that, you know, after, after a period of feeling sorry for myself on different occasions, I would say, okay, I need to keep my physical health up. I need to make sure there's no toxic relationships in my life. I need to keep my creativity up because, you know, that's the way I'm going to climb out of this is by being creative, more creative than everyone else around me. And I need to surrender to the things that I can't control. And that's been good enough for me. Like if I, if I stay physically healthy, I won't be so sick that I can't be creative. For instance, if I, if I'm not arguing with a spouse or a partner all day long, I'll have time and energy to create and succeed. If I don't focus on things, or if I, fo if I focus on things I can't control, I'm never going to be able to have the time and energy to focus on the things I can control, which is my own potential success and, and, and feeding my family and so on. And I've had the opportunity several times to, to go through this where I've hit bottom and then come back, you know, by, by exercising my creativity, by trying and experimenting with different ways to help people, uh, uh, you know, by figuring out and experimenting different ways to to make money to support my family and 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 have some degree of success. And then, but then there, you're right. There is this society level where you kind of, you know, at what point does the individual you, at what, at what point does the individualist have to also acknowledge the collective? Mm -hmm. And so you can say, like you did say, which is that hey, if we all focus on being the best version of ourselves, that's going to be the best for the community. And I happen to believe that, but then there are structural issues with the community that, that also need to be addressed because mm. some people, it's a little harder for them sure. to help themselves. And I, you know, in some ways I've been fortunate, in some ways I've not been fortunate, in some ways my family is, is, is unfortunate, but in some ways, like, like many uh, families who, who came out of, you know, war-torn Europe, for instance, yeah. they, they've also suffered. And it's hard to know what the solutions are 
except to say, you know, have I taken care of myself today? Do, do I have toxic relationships? Did I exercise my creativity? Now, can I focus that creativity on helping people who haven't necessarily been able to help themselves to now? So I kind of lean towards that. But at the same time, you can't look at today's situation and say, well, here's the solution. Everybody should just love a little bit more. Yeah. Because that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not, it's not like everyone's going to say, oh my gosh, James just said I should love people more. <laughs> what am I doing? Like, it's just not going to happen. You, you know, oddly enough, though, you say that, but I think it's good for people to have the reminder because you have got people out there who are essentially saying the opposite at this point. Yeah. You know, they, they might not want to admit it, but they are essentially saying, you know, actually, we should hate each other a little bit more, whether that's on, um, you know, political lines because someone votes a way you don't like. And so you feel it's totally appropriate to just hate them and demonize them and, you know, not even associate yourself with them. You've also got some people who are doing this along uh, racial lines or in some cases, uh, gender lines, et cetera, and are just saying, like, look, you know white people have done this, or, you know, black people have done this, or brown people have done that, and it's, or this religion have does done this, or that really, and it's, I think it's actually important to have those, as trite as they may feel sometimes, I know I, <laughs> I know I feel sort of cheesy or, or corny when I sort of say something like, you know, just love each other, don't judge each other by the color of their skin. And so, uh, sometimes I'm kind of like, I shouldn't have to say this, but I do see people, sometimes with very big platforms, who are really stirring that pot of division. They're sort of claiming they don't like division, but they're sowing the seeds for it and reinforcing that day after day. Maybe they're not aware of it. I agree. And I think, I think there are these platforms of hate that are sowing division. And I feel bad for those people where they are getting some degree. Nobody does something that they don't want to do. Mm. So, so those people who are uh, you know, preaching hate and anger and reminding us of the reasons to be angry, they have reasons for it. Like they, I, you can't say there's something wrong with them or, and you can't say, hey, you should change your mind. They're going to do that because they're getting some, something out of it. Like for once, maybe, you know, after a lifetime of being put down mm -hmm. or, or have status taken from them or have their pride taken from them, this is a way they can get status. They have a platform now where hate is the only thing they've seen. So it's the only thing they, they know how to gain status. And so do you fight them? Do you, do you try to be a little bit louder with, with words of, of love? Mm. I think that the times when I have felt the most, let's say internal, you know, just peace with myself is when, you know, I've been able to say, look, I can't control this. And, mm. and you know, we we're on this world for such a, a short a beautiful time and I'm with people I, I love or I could choose to not be with them. Mm -hmm. And so the, these are the moments when I sort of surrender to that, that I feel the most love for, for others and the most hope for others. And I guess I hope that wears off on the people around me. Yeah. And I hope that creates opportunities for myself because people see I'm someone to trust versus others that they don't trust. Mm -hmm. And then, but then I look at these situations, like I remember in the beginning of this, you know, pandemic, I was scared, but I was also scared of the lockdown because it was very clear it was going to create, you know, national calamity. Like, yeah. you know, you have, and, and I don't mean to sound like a populist, like you have people who I think in government who are a little out of touch and 
you know, if you go to these food lines in New York City, for instance, all through this pandemic, there have been food lines uh, around churches. You know, people go on Saturday to get food for the week. Mm-hmm. And it's all ethnicities, all ages, all backgrounds. But people lost their jobs. May, many people are, don't have a banking account, so they couldn't get the stimulus checks that in the United States that were given out. And so they needed food. And the police would come and shut down the food lines because oh, wow. everybody wasn't keeping six feet apart, which was this sort of <sighs> senseless law now because now we see what, they're not stopping. So there's not, it's not like, you know, these laws seem sort of arbitrary. And so then you, 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 you there, there's all these structural, like I was afraid with this economic lockdown that it would cause too much homelessness, that too many people would suffer and that the ultimate result, I remember having this conversation with my wife in January, mm. the ultimate result could be some sort of deep societal unrest. Mm. And it might be because everyone goes unemployed in a lockdown, or it might be who knows what else could happen that could stir the pot. And that's, yeah. that's what happened. So I'm not saying, um, oh, these riots aren't about George Floyd, who was horribly killed mm-hmm. in Minnesota, but there is a component that everybody's just angry. Everyone's just been locked at home and told not to work and told you know, do this for the greater good when ultimately the greater good might've been, we don't know, might've been, hey, maybe 40 million people shouldn't lose their jobs. And a lot of those people are people who weren't, you know- Well who off to begin with. Well off to begin with, that's right. You know who the anarchists are? The anarchists are, and I don't mean this necessarily in a bad way, the anarchists are the billionaires. A billionaire can do whatever he or she wants. <laughs> True. <laughs> no one's gonna stop Elon Musk from doing anything. No. He can open up his factory and say, arrest me if you want. No one arrested him. Mm-hmm. He could send a rocket into space and <laughs> power to him. Like yeah. he could do whatever he wants. And the rest of us, we're, we have to stand online six feet apart. And uh, I think I'm not, unless, unless I'm not you're blaming. Looting. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless you're looting. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, even then, like, you know, I don't, everybody doesn't understand like, well, if you're looting now in New York City, the police were not allowed to arrest anybody. They were just standing there watching the looting. And often the looters would turn on the police because they were angry. Mm. And you just, some people just look at this on their Twitter feeds in the morning and they say, oh, this is ridiculous. Maybe it is ridiculous, but this is, this is also reality. This is the world. And yeah, it's certainly not yeah. the worst situation that's ever happened. And we do have to decide as individuals mm. how we're going to handle it. Do you join the protest? Do you try to stop the looting? Do you join the looting? Do you join the police? Do you leave the city? Do you board up your stores? Mm-hmm. All of the above? Like, <laughs> again, I have to yeah. think, you know, there, there are reforms needed and there is discussion needed. And there's also other forces at work. There are people who want people to be angry because mm-hmm. they're angry and they've been taught to be angry. So they're not, they're in the protest too for, for the wrong reasons. Um, I don't know, but I, I guess I agree that uh, what I had to do for myself was when I when I was starting to be angry about these the pandemic and the lockdowns and the the lack of real r- rational discussion between politicians and leaders and medical officials and so on. There was no coordinated solution. There was no nobody who said that there nobody even had the right math. Like yeah. every mathematical model was different. The results of the pandemic were much different than people thought they would be. Mm-hmm. The results of the economic lockdown were much different than the best economists in the world thought they would be. And so at first I was like trying to convince people, don't you see, don't you see? And I felt myself getting really angry and I was writing emails to <laughs> presidents and governors and this and that. 
And I was, you know, talking to my readers, like, this is how you should look at the data. And, and, and I was largely correct, but my solutions weren't. Yeah. I, writing emails didn't do anything. Nobody was going to change their minds because of something I said. So at some point, I decided to lean into the uncertainty, and which is uncertainty. The world's filled with uncertainty. And so by leaning into it, I was able to say, okay, I don't know the answers to these things, but I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to talk more to my children. I'm going to try to improve my writing. I finished a book that I hope in the long run will be helpful to people. I, in general, tried to focus on what I could do for myself. And, in a, in a, and that's the most selfless thing you could do. Mm. Me writing emails to Trump's economic advisors didn't help anybody. And, you know, but being a voice of, hey, here's what you could do to help yourself and to help others and to maybe love more or learn more. That's what I was able to do. Yeah. And I think that's what you've been doing for a long time. And, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there, including myself, who really, who really appreciate it. You know, I think before, probably before you knew who I was or before we'd followed each other on social media or had any interaction, I'd already read a couple of your books and, you know, come across a few blog posts and was like, yeah, okay. And that's one of the greatest things I think about being, being a producer, right? Being someone who creates and puts stuff out, whether you're a musician or an author or a blogger or a, you know, an artist is you actually are impacting people. Like I can guarantee you the impact you have on the world is far greater than what you think it is. Right. Cause yeah, I, 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 I don't even know if I believe that because, uh, you know, life's hard and I'm, I'm like, take the compliment, take the, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. Yeah, no, sorry about you. You were saying you, why? Well, why it's just, sure? that, it's just that, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, I, everybody's trying to do their best. Mm. And, and again, in, the, in March, I think I was trying to be a voice of optimism for people who didn't know would this pandemic kill a hundred million people? I mean, the first article I ever saw about coronavirus, oh, gosh. the New York Times said 140 million people are going to die. And clearly that was not true. Then there was models uh, that said 10 million people would die. Mm-hmm. Clearly that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to just interpret the data, but I felt myself also trying to, it's like when you play sports and you the ball is already out of your your hands or feet or whatever, but you try to like mentally move the ball so it goes <laughs> in the direction you want. And that's just not possible. Mm. And the best you could do is just make your form in the sport the best. And doing life as a sport, you kind of have to just focus on your journey and your process and not the outcome. Yeah. Did you kick the ball right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Whether it got to be a goal or not is out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. I just think in, in the social media age though, especially, I mean... However many people, I mean, firstly, it would be interesting to know how many people, like sometimes I wonder how many people know who I am, right? Like I I do wonder, especially in the past year, I can, I can see numbers online. I can see how many followers I have. I can see how many views and things stuff get. So I know it must be like in the millions, which is already kind of weird, but like you don't know. And even in terms of, you know, how many people have read your book, how many people have read your blog articles, how many people have seen your posts, not just people who directly follow you, but stuff gets shared out. And so, uh, yeah, that's why I say, I think, you know, you've had some impact, you know, you have, uh, you know, fans and followers and readers, but you probably have, you certainly have more than you even think you have. That's, that's kind of what I'm hinting at. Well, well, let me ask you this. Like you have 
also have this impact and you've 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 created you know so much work in you know whether it's music now podcasting your social media presence and so on and when do you feel happiest when do you feel happy might be the wrong world mm. word when do you feel most content most content is probably when i'm quite detached from it and i am with my family or with my friends and I'm doing stuff that's offline and I'm away from that. I'd say that's when I'm most content. I would say, though, when I most feel, um, you know, if I meet someone in real life or even, you know, the multiple DMs and emails I get from people who are telling me that I've inspired them or affected them in some way, that makes me feel very happy. Like that's what enables me to go through the nonsense, right? That's what enables me to wade through the garbage comments on on twitter and the youtube comments and you know everything that i right. don't particularly like reading if i know okay what i'm doing is genuinely having a positive impact on people then i can kind of bear any negativity that comes with it and both things are fine right so if you think about twenty thousand years ago um both of your thoughts there both of your feelings of happiness are are represented by let's say ancient tribes where if you go hunting and you catch a wild boar mm. and you bring it back to the tribe of the other 30 primates that you're tribing with, they're going to be, hey, Zuby, you did great. This is great. Oh, we're, we've been so hungry. Thank you. Mm. So that's going to feel good. And then after you eat and you're satisfied and the sun's going down and you're telling stories to your children and you're with your spouse, you're also going to feel good. That contentment of like, oh, it was a good day. I'm satisfied. Things are peaceful. Both of those feelings of happiness and well-being are good. It's kind of two sides of the same coin because we have to participate in society, but we also have to be satisfied with that participation at the end of the day. And but we often, I often criticize myself, like, oh, I shouldn't always, you know, want the likes on a tweet, mm -hmm. or you know, I shouldn't always try to count you know, how many are my downloads more today than they <laughs> yeah. were yesterday? Yeah. Like I should, you know, why is so-and-so getting so many downloads? He He's just doing it because, you know, someone shouted him out and mm -hmm. he paid that person. And, you know, it, it's it's a hard thing to live. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah, and, and to be content and and because all of those feelings are are good and it's just a it's just a balance. I've been trying to learn for myself the, the, the balance between that dopamine fix of, of mm. more and more and more, mm. and that serotonin fix of being satisfied looking at a, a sunset. Yeah. And, then, and then there's fear because then you see the world situation right now and there's so much uncertainty. And so on the one side, you could take pleasure knowing that, hey, I can lean into this uncertainty and find out a little bit more who I am. And, and I can have questions without answers and, and, and be proud that, I don't need to know all the answers and, and, and instead, you know, focus on myself and, and, and observe and learn and, and try to participate, but not try to force an outcome. And on the other hand is, oh my gosh, this is so irrational. Everything that's happening. I need to do something. I need to be angry or yeah, I need to yeah. fix things. And right now things aren't easily fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, there's no solution. Yeah. You know, something I've been thinking about a lot, which um, I don't hear a lot of people articulate, but I think it's a big question, both on an individual level and also on a national and international level, especially when it comes to things like foreign policy. And this is a, a question, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, which is, 
to what degree and to what extent should we care or should I care about things that are outside of my control and outside of my yeah, sphere of influence? And I think that's a real interesting question. That is an interesting question because if you care, let, I mean, let's say you're having a hard time with your kids. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're not such a good father. Let's say you're not such a good spouse, but you really want to protest against the war in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the question is, what do you know? Like if you can't, you know, they always say, if you can't take care of yourself or if you can't clean your own room, how are you going to clean the world? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably largely true because there's so many, there's so few things we have control over. Like you and I will never stop the war in Afghanistan, even if we were a thousand percent against it. Yeah. And unfortunately, people elect leaders and then the leaders change and you hope for the best. And, you know, in the United States, we go from one leader to the exact opposite, to the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And we're still in the war in Afghanistan. But what I can do is I can say, you know what? I'm going to write down every day 10 ideas of how I can help things. And every day I'm going to exercise that idea muscle. And every day I'm going to try to send my ideas out into the world. And some seeds will get planted, but most seeds won't, mm -hmm. like, like any garden. And I think that's all we can, we can do. We can't really, even if someone's the president of the United States or the prime minister of England, they're one person out of hundreds of millions. Yeah. They're not really, what are the odds they're really going to know the solution mm -hmm. for, for anything? It's very slim. They've yeah. spent years and years, decades of their life trying to pander to everyone who would vote for them and pander to everyone who would like them. So they don't even really know what their real opinions are. They get too addicted to putting on the best mask for whatever costume party they're attending. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I always try to say, how can I remove my masks? and the costumes I'm wearing. Like I used to think my self-worth was the same as my net worth. And I would get horribly depressed when my, you know, I started out with net worth of zero mm -hmm. and I would get horribly depressed later when my net worth would go to zero or below. Mm -hmm. And it became kind of real to me that if I didn't start improving my self-worth, I was probably going to die or, or not be a good parent. And then what would, what would my kids do when they're older? Yeah. And what would my friends and family do if they saw me constantly, you know, being such a negative source of energy? Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I don't think, you know, again, like in March and April, I was trying to, to fight. I was trying to say, look, you know, Mr. Economic Advisor, you, this is what's going to happen. And I agree the pandemic's important, but here's what you could do about the pandemic, yeah, yeah. like I had solutions for everything, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. And then, and, and, and I sent them out and it didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I had to relax and say, okay, what people need now is feelings of safety, feelings that this is not going to last forever. Do what you can to improve yourself or to keep calm or to help your family. But your job's not going to be around tomorrow. You might not have gotten the stimulus check. This is what you could do instead. And this period will end. And again, we're on this life for a, a blip of eternity. And so what can you do today to make that that tiny blip worth it? I always imagine this. I, I, I imagine when I wake up in the morning that, oh, uh, I'm an, an alien from another dimension and I just landed 
in this body, I have vague memories of what this body does and who this human being is and what this planet might be that I've just landed on. And I am, I'm leaving it in 24 hours. I'm only here for 24 hours. I must have a mission to do. Mm. And the mission is a positive one. I know that, but I have no idea what it is. So I better begin now. And that's, that's how I try to view the world at the beginning of each day. Yeah, that's a really, uh, that's a really interesting perspective. I mean, man, there's, there's a lot there. I mean, with what you were talking about with uh, this situation, with the, with the pandemic, et cetera, it's in- interesting. I feel like 2020 has been a, a great experiment in anyone who is remotely interested in human psychology at an individual yeah. level and at a group level. I, I can't remember another time where in such a short space of time, you've had so many different from mob mentality to binary thinking to cognitive dissonance to social shaming to right all all of these weird things that we know exist in the human psyche it's like one after one we've just or even all together we've just been experiencing all of them on a, a global scale and what yeah, yeah. You, you're right i can't think of another i mean the closest i could think of is 1968 mm. where you have vietnam you have Martin Luther, at least in the U.S., Martin Luther King was assassinated. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was assassinated. There were riots during the presidential elections. Uh, I mean, that was probably the closest, but I would say you're right. This is worse because on top of it, you have this social social media media where everybody could react anonymously and with such fierce Mm. anger so quickly that it, it just, it gets into the psyche at a much deeper level. Yeah. One of the weirdest ones out of those that I've been seeing is just this binary thinking and false dichotomies. That's the thing I find really strange. Yeah. So with the pandemic, it was like, either you want, you know, it, it, it almost became a meme, right? Either you want to just lock down and stay at home forever until nobody ever dies of anything ever again. And if you do that, then you care about people and you care about health and you don't want anyone to die or you want no lockdown and nothing whatsoever. And you want grandma to die and you want everyone's parents to die. Yeah. And, you know, they're like as if there was no valid economic question here or not even just economic. I mean, if you're talking about the economy, you are also you're still talking about people's health. You're still talking about people's right. The economy is. Yeah, mainstream. yeah, I think. It's weird. I think when a lot of people think about economy, they think of it as like numbers and bars on a graph, or maybe they just yeah. think about the stock market. They don't realize the economy right. is the people. Like you are the economy. You going to work is the economy. You being able to buy things, right. that's the economy. So if that collapses, then you know we're we're all in a lot of trouble. It's not this weird right. sacrifice. Yeah, doctors are paid for by. Hospitals are businesses. Doctors are paid for by the economy. And it's no surprise that for, you know, countries in the first world have better healthcare than countries in the Mm -hmm. third world. That's historically always true. And, uh, and, and you, you said the word grandma. It's so funny because if I say, if I were to even suggest, Hey, maybe we should start reopening in States where there are no cases and people would say, the first response would always be, oh, so you can make money on the stock market while your grandma dies? And I don't think that's what right. I said. Like, so, yeah. but but yeah, you're right. There was that weird dichotomy. So you couldn't even, I mean, I would have, I would make a comment and, you know, people who I knew were wealthy would text me and say, no, 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 we need to be all locked down mm-hmm. now or everyone's going to die. 
And I, I would say, well, look at Sweden. Not there's not everyone's dead there, and we don't really know all the data yet. And you know, every state had different policies. Every country had different policies. There's no one policy here, and and we do know that if you're homeless, you're nine times more likely to die than someone who's not homeless. Like the, the mortality rate of homeless people are is much larger than non-homeless people. So you have to just who who what leader is weighing all of the decisions? And and to your point. Zuby, no one is weighing it because there was this dichotomy. It's either this or you're this. Yeah, and it's it's very strange. I, and I think I think there are quite a lot of reasons at the root of it. I think that I think a big one is that we've just overall gotten too comfortable, right? Stuff has been so good for the last yeah. few decades. You know, I mean, I mean, in some ways, this might sound a little bit crazy to some people, but maybe this is almost a this so-called chaos that we've been seeing for the last few months, maybe this is actually closer to the normal state of human beings throughout history. And, yeah, you know, we point. were just sort of in a, in a deep sleep for the past 30 or 40 years, right? So our grandparents, et cetera, would have seen a lot more stuff, right? They had, you know, World War One, World War Two. You've had all of this stuff going on. So they were more used to a certain level of chaos and uncertainty and whatever, and we've just kind of been lulled out of it. We're kind of like, oh, wow, okay, it is possible. You know, pestilence has not finished, right? You can still have a... And again, I mean, this is not to downplay the coronavirus, but compared to previous pandemics, this is incredibly mild. Incredibly mild. Yeah. If you go and you look at the statistics from the Spanish flu or the, the Black Death, et cetera, and these are things that, you know, if you catch it, you've got a, you know, this might be a 50% chance that you're going to die or and affecting yeah. children and affecting babies and just totally relentless. Whereas with the coronavirus, I know people don't like to talk about numbers because it doesn't sound compassionate, but if you are under about 60, the probability of you dying is like less than 0.1%. It might be like 0.0. Well, it, it's so marginal. And as well, people don't really like to talk about demographics. So the vast majority of people who are who are dying and who have died from it are elderly, a lot in, in nursing homes. In some areas, the average age of deaths from COVID is higher than the average life expectancy. Yeah, in, in Italy, that was the case. Yeah, and it's like people don't want to, like, it's like people don't want to talk about that. And I'm like, well, this should it, inform policy because you don't want to treat an 18-year-old who is healthy the same way you treat an 80-year-old who's in a nursing home, who's, who's way more vulnerable. You don't need to just throw this one size fits all model on everybody forever. And as soon as you start trying to have that conversation, it comes back to me wanting to kill your grandma. And I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know how to deal with this. And, and you know, the irony is like in New York state where, where I live, the governor sent yeah, all the 80 year olds back to their nursing yeah. homes. So they actually, the, the lockdown crazy. response was to kill all the grandmas. Like it was crazy. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're right. Like, you know, very healthy people were forced to stay home and shut down the economy. Like, I always wondered, why does a furniture store have to close down? It's not like 6,000 people try to crowd into <laughs> furniture stores and give coronavirus to each other. Like, there were many stores that weren't essential, but are now out of business, mm. sadly. And I know in, in New York City, where I am, you know, probably 50% of the restaurants are out of business wow. forever. And, you know, it's not the... You could say that's not the worst thing that's ever happened to society, mm -hmm. but uh, so all these people are really sad and struggling and, and there's collateral fatalities, mm -hmm. people who couldn't get medical procedures during 
this time because all the hospitals were set aside for one disease only, which like you say, wasn't as bad as the initial yeah. models predicted. So then then the whole goal began, began oh, don't just save the healthcare system. Have, let's completely eliminate mm-hmm. the virus, which you would never have as a goal for any virus. I mean, there were, there were the two prior bigger pandemics were 1957, which was called the Asian flu, and then 1968, which was called the Hong mm-hmm. Kong flu. Uh, and more people died, unfortunately, then, and there were no shutdowns. I mean, Woodstock, which was this concert that there was zero social, di- there was the <laughs> negative social distancing. Yeah. And it happened in the middle of uh, the uh, 1968 mm-hmm. pandemic. So it, it's unclear. Maybe the government should just not have gotten involved. And and then that, and then you say, oh, well, that's libertarian. Are you like an anarchist libertarian? No, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to live my life and, and yeah. you know, do what I was doing. Yeah. It's like another thing people don't want to admit or accept is that you know, life, life has risks, you know, uh, when, when I get the people who are super crazy pro lockdown and who, who just want to lock down forever. I mean, a question I ask is, you know, why don't we reduce the speed limit on highways to 20 miles per hour? Yeah. Right. If you want to save lives, right. You keep banging on to me about saving lives and I'm, I'm big on saving lives too. But if we want to do that, we know that, okay, more people die on the road every year than are dying from this. We could stop all of those deaths. And by the way, most of them are elderly people because they have a uh, lower reaction times. So why don't we reduce the speed limit to 20 or 30 miles per hour? Right. And then people start saying, oh, yeah. no, it's like that. And it's like, well, every day we are making calculations between it sounds callous. But realistically, when you're making any policy, you are making a you are balancing liberty and freedom and practicality with safety and security. And you you can't just nerf the entire world. You can't just. You know, why don't we ban sugar? Why don't we ban alcohol? Ban cigarettes, right? Like, obviously, that, that'll save lives. Ban cigarettes, of course. Right. But it's, yeah, it's, cigarettes is the probably the largest yeah. killer in the in the world. Like, almost the top five reasons people die are all cigarette-related. Exactly. And we know that. So, you know, why don't we just, just ban all those things? And when you state it that way, I do find, unless someone's super hard-headed, they can at least understand the idea you're getting at that you you know we do take risks we have flu every year i think 60,000 americans every year die of die of the yeah. flu and we don't stop the entire you don't you don't shut everything down you don't lock everybody in the house etc and i think also it's people don't want to um, admit that you can get something wrong to begin with and change course so i feel like people have been so emotionally invested and perhaps even politically invested in some cases in, in this whole lockdown strategy that, you know, of course, you, you'll know about sunk costs, right? That you've, you've already done this, you've already going down that line, and you just have to stick with it no matter what. Even if the data comes out and says, okay, you know what? 10 million Americans are not going to die of this virus. So you did all these procedures assuming that was the worst case, but we've actually found that's not the worst case. So you can change course now, but it's like, no, we're not going to change course. And the media doesn't want people to change course because then they'll, uh, I don't know if they use this in the US, but in the UK, for example, um, Boris Johnson and other politicians have been accused of doing a U-turn, right? That's the phrase they use that, you know, they did a dramatic U-turn. And I'm like, sometimes you need to do a U-turn, right? If if I'm driving and I'm I'm going down the wrong road... (laughs) Then a U-turn is a, is a good maneuver. You shouldn't criticize me. Right. You're not going to insist. This road should be going the way I'm yeah, going. And it's it's very bizarre. So it seems like the incentives are sort of set up 
the wrong way on a lot of levels. I think that's a big problem. Well, I think also, like you say, I think it was politicized. So it became it became this oddly in the United States between uh, this oddly politicized thing between Democrats and Republicans. Mm. Like if you use one medicine, you were a Democrat. <laughs> if you use another medicine, you were yeah, a Republican. That's true, that's true. And that's like insane. Like, uh, like my wife, she's she lived in Africa for mm. three years and she took hydroxychloroquine for every single day she was there because she didn't want herself or her family to get uh, malaria. So therefore and, she loves Trump. Yeah, well, that, well, that's just it. She, right, like, like just because she took that medicine <laughs> 10 years ago, does that make she, I mean, she's officially signed up for a political party? Like it was crazy or, or you know, and then, and then there's other things too that are just, you know, the other day we, tr- we, we, we broke the law. So uh, I, I own part of a comedy club in New York City and I said, screw it, let's, let's go outside, let's get some speakers and let's throw a comedy show mm-hmm. in the street. And 50 to 100 people showed up, people were passing by, some of the best comedians in the city showed up and started mm-hmm. performing. And about an hour in, the police shut us down because it wasn't enough social distancing. And then those same police go downtown <laughs> to protect the rioting and the looting, like, and make sure those people aren't yeah. arrested. So it was insane what was going on, but you can't, sometimes you have to look at it and, and you can either let it affect you and say, this is insane. It really bothers me and twists me up inside. Or you can say, Hey, I've only got eight more hours left before I'm sent to the next dimension <laughs> on my uh, mission. What should I do now to 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 be the best I can be? And sometimes that's going to be not solving the problems of the world because they're just it's just insane. It's just irrational. Like in in England, you know, the the main mathematical model that created a lot of these decisions for the pandemic was created by Neil Ferguson at Imperial College, and and he said everybody's got a social you know social distance or ten million people could die, two million in England can die, and then it turns out. He wasn't social distancing. He was meeting his <laughs> the, the married woman of someone who had coronavirus and they were having their yeah. fling. And he had even specifically said loved ones who are apart right now need to stay yeah. apart. So it was so irrational. Shouldn't everybody have like if this was a movie, everyone would should would have said, oh, well, just reverse everything then because this guy was lying yeah, to yeah. us or something like and then the movie would end good. Like everybody would be dancing in the streets. But no, you're right. Like we kind of had this sunken cost, like we've got to mm-hmm. stick to this lockdown to the end. And, and, and of course that's created that, that that's let other angers rise up yeah. to the top, yeah. which has led to this worldwide. People don't even know now why they're mm-hmm. rioting and looting. Uh, there's no answer. And, you know, it's hard to say what's going to be a solution. And I think, again, you have to think to yourself, okay, well, the only thing I can do is be the best person I can be. I need to come up with ideas. I need to come up with solutions that work. And if people listen to them, that's fine. If they don't, I move on to the next solutions or I I keep on improving myself. I'm going to write a a book that will help or entertain, or I'm going to create a podcast that will help or entertain, or I'm going to do my job and, you know, make food or clothes or devices that could make people's lives better. And and you're right, we maybe we've been protected somehow in the past 30 years, but that's because quality of life in general has risen around mm-hmm. the world, but there's still a lot of these simmering cracks in the system that never quite got patched yeah. up. And and that's part of the difficulty here. Yeah, it's uh the whole situation is very difficult and um I think it's it's accelerated a lot of things, it's shown a light on a lot of things and then it's also created 
its own problems directly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm generally an optimist. I, I consider myself like an optimistic realist. So I, I think in the long term, stuff will be okay because, you know, things always seem to work out all right in the long term. But yeah, in the short term, it just seems like, I don't know, it's it, emotions have really hijacked rational thought. And I don't know yeah. if, I know there's always been a degree of it, but it does seem like in the last 10 years, and I can't, I can't fail to notice this totally coincides with the rise of smartphones and social media, but it's just like people are so amped up. Like I can talk to you and we can have a rational discussion and not assume the worst version of what the other person says <laughs> and, you know, talk about ideas and disconnect our emotions from it to a, a healthy degree. But it seems like so many people just cannot do that. And it, it almost seems like another virus that is spreading because, you know, there's people I talk to, you know, even even loved ones, and I'm trying to have a, a rational conversation, or I'm even, I can even present facts, or I present data, and people are telling me that their feelings override the data, right? And I'm kind of like, well, how can we have a conversation if we can't even just accept that this is the data and now we can discuss it and we can explain why it's like this and we may have different ideas or we may have different ideas on what to do. But I just don't remember so many people before thinking that making every decision just based on emotion and feeling was a good idea. But I'm sort of seeing this happening on mass and I feel like I'm in a relative minority of people who is willing to just be like, okay, can we just calm down for a second and not make these false binaries? Like, okay, we can't, we can't lock down forever and have everybody lose their job. And, you know, the virus is not going to, to go away. We don't even know if there will be a vaccine or if it will be effective or when it will come. So we know we can't just lock down for eternity. That's not possible. We also know there is a virus and okay, this is the death rate. And so we need to take these certain precautions and we don't need to go all one way or all the other. And it just seems like so many people just, just can't do that now. And I don't really know what has happened to the collective human psyche that's created that. Yeah. And I think I, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, there's a lot of people who I used to respect who now that this is kind of bubbled to the top, this kind of irrational, just thinking from emotions, you know, and I see this and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to spend time with this person mm. probably anymore. And again, not out of anger, not because I'm bitter against them, but just because I realize, oh, this is not the sort of person I want to associate with. I, I, I maybe there's even some people I really respected and I wanted them to respect me that I just I'm like, you know what? It's mm -hmm. fine. I don't need that respect yeah. anymore. And so this, and on the one hand, that was a healthy thing for me. On the other hand, it, it's a little bit sad, but you can't really have a conversation with those people. Like it's, it's not worth no. it. Like you're just going to get angry. And, and that this is valuable time where you could have been working on music or working on yourself or spending time with people you love, because they're never going to, no one ever changes their mind. I've rarely <laughs> seen it. Like you said, sometimes it's a rare yeah. thing when someone does a U-turn, like it's a great thing, but uh, it, it's very rare. And, you know, I always like, again, this has been so irrational, so many aspects. It's like you said, of this virus, okay, 10 million people didn't die. A hundred thousand people died, which yes, is horrible. Yes. Like you said, when you bring up numbers, it's horrible. And you have to always, by the way, when you say a hundred thousand people died, you always have to follow with, and that's mm -hmm. horrible. Well, every death is is mm -hmm. sad, but uh, okay, one percent of the predicted number died. 
And then people say, well, it's because of the lockdowns. And I'm like, well, that's not really true because you look at other countries that didn't lock down, they were okay. And you say, oh, well, that's because they did contact and trace. Well, you look at Arizona, which had no real cases in the United States and they didn't really do anything. And it's just, there's no, you know, then people say, well, just wait in two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, everybody in Arizona is going to yeah, be no, dead. No one wants and- to just admit that, you know what? Okay. Like I, I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. Or, you know, I, I overestimated or I underestimated and yeah, and that's, that's fine. I think one thing that really needs to be cured in Western society is the idea that people cannot change their minds or that changing your mind is, yeah. is terrible or, you know, it's, it, it's totally the opposite or that it's, or, or that it, you can't just say, I don't know. Right? <laughs> Some people, yeah. right. Or, or the, or the, yeah, right. I don't know is the real key thing because part of the problem is having an opinion <laughs> and, you know, even, even scientists like take Galileo. Galileo is the, is the scientist. He stood on top of, I don't know, the leaning tower of Pisa and he dropped a small, like a pebble and a boulder. And if you had an opinion, you would have said, well, the boulder is obviously going to hit the ground first, but it turns out they both hit the ground at the same time. And it changed completely the laws of physics that one moment. If he, if he had stuck to an opinion, he maybe never would have done that experiment. He never would have asked the mm-hmm. question. Uh, and then the people who did have an opinion, they tortured mm-hmm. him. So, you know, the key often is, is not to have an opinion so quickly and, and to take a step back and, and ask the questions and hope people will listen. And if people are ready to listen, maybe people will be, maybe people won't be. And, and again, the key, the, the world develops as we, as, as each individual develops. If you develop as a human, then the entire world just got a tiny bit mm-hmm. better. And I think the people who are arguing on Twitter and, and you know, we, we all were raised with this fight or flight mm-hmm. instinct. And now people, when, when you have fight or flight, you either fight or you run and you use that adrenaline. But now people get fight or flight while they're staring at a computer <laughs> screen and they don't move. Yeah. <laughs> and so an entire billions of people are feeling fight or flight right mm-hmm. now, but they're just frozen in front of a computer screen living in this imaginary world. And, you know, it's at those moments you have to pull away until you have something real, real to offer. And, you know, it's a challenge, like, you, you know, and, and you don't want it to dissuade you from, from your, your real mission, which is growing as, as a human being. And that's how society, that's how the collective really grows, yeah. you know, but, but it's yeah. hard. And, you know, I've, I've said this before, which is that when it comes to social media, we are currently living in perhaps the biggest human experiment of all time where we really don't even have a clue or just an inkling of what the long-term effects are. I mean, we have never, prior to this time, it's never been possible to communicate with people on this scale. And it's not, you know, in terms of the way human beings are designed and animals are designed, like we're not supposed to be able to, you know, millions of people are not supposed to be able to potentially hear this conversation. I'm not supposed to be able to just take my phone and send a message to hundreds of thousands of people just by tapping a few buttons without leaving my living room. Like we forget how new this is. We're so, we're so used to it now, but you know, I'm a relatively young guy, but this is so new and we're all acting like this is normal, getting likes and retweets and comments. And, you know, even if you look at the vast majority of things, people get outraged by like 
it's good that we know that I'm here in the UK and I I know about this George Floyd situation, right? It, it's good that I know that that happens, but I, I kind of shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like millions and millions of right. people around the world shouldn't necessarily know all of these things that are happening, especially when it's things that are less important. So the other day there was that huge outrage. I think it was in New York, right? There was the um, there was the woman in the park who called the police and said, "Hey, the African American yeah, yeah. man, da da da," and the outrage from that was global. Okay, but and, you know, and I've had people in the UK asking me my opinion on it, and you know, people messaging me and sending me the video, et cetera. And a part of me is kind of like, none of us should even be aware of this. Do you see what I mean? Like, like this was yeah. an interaction between two people in a park which was, you know, nobody died, nobody was harmed, not, nothing, it, it was, you know, you can look at it and analyze society or analyze that person, et cetera. But we are all, millions of people are now chiming in on something that we wouldn't have been aware of 15 years ago. And no one sort of steps away and thinks about that and is like, wow, like, I mean, it's not hard to find individual interactions around the world that we would be horrified by. But if we were informed about all of them, then we would go crazy. And it's no surprise that people are kind of going increasingly crazy because you're seeing all of this stuff, all of the videos from what's going on in the US. Like, I feel like I'm almost there. I'm not even in the country, but I'm seeing yeah. buildings burning. I'm seeing people looting. I'm seeing all of these things happening. And it angers me. It, it outrages me. But at the same time, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't know about it. Or, but but at the same time, social media is great too. Like, let's actually let's call it social networking okay. instead of social media. That was the original name of social yeah. networking, and that's when people like you and I could meet and become friends and be on each other's podcasts mm -hmm. and communicate and use these platforms to to inspire people or help people or or provide solutions. Yeah. Like, oh, you need to provide for your family. Here's five mm -hmm. techniques that I might know about that you might not know about it and I'll share them. And so this sharing economy, this sharing media, uh, networking and so on is also a really great Definitely. thing, but you're right. Then, then, but we get addicted to, uh, I need to be heard. Mm. I need to be retweeted. I need to be liked. <laughs> and, and, and that's this kind of addiction to this dopamine neurochemical where we need more. Yeah. Like if I, if all like, you know, everybody wakes up in the morning and thinks, well, what tweet can I do that the most people will like? And if you fall too much into that trap, I could just say, hey, <laughs> I love Donald Trump or I love Joe Biden, don't yeah. you? And yeah, everybody yeah, will no, retweet. Yeah. I'll get 10,000 retweets. <laughs> and, you know, like it's, it, it's hard to be not yeah. polarized because then you're not liked as much. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, just, this last night we go to sleep and we think, well, what's going to happen? What are we going to learn in the morning? Well, we wake up in the morning and, oh, this building burned down by rioters <laughs> and uh, people were run over and it's just scary. Yeah. And, uh, and I, think it, it, I think part of the challenge now is hopefully we don't get too sucked into the negative mm, aspects yeah. of this and we're, we continue to enjoy the positive. You know, ideas only happen when we can share ideas and have discourse and come to compromise and and maybe you ask a question where i it got gets me thinking and i ask a question back and through this questioning and inquiry ideas are discovered and experiments are designed and theories are proven and you know but if we're if if everybody's just got opinions and no questions then that's probably going down the wrong the wrong path and i know for me personally whenever i have whenever i've regretted 
my past, like, oh, I shouldn't have gambled on this or invested in this or, or spent or behaved mm-hmm. like this and, and filled myself with regret. I wasn't, that wasn't the pathway to success. The pathway to success was, well, what was I doing right when I succeeded before? Was I taking care of myself? Well, what ways was, were I ta- was I taking care of myself? In what ways was I being creative? How can I double down on that? And one thing we've seen during this lockdown is the people who have doubled down on creating content that's inspired hope and safety and, and some degree of optimism, I think those people were rewarded during this time versus the people who were just angry. Yeah. Maybe the people who were angry feel like they accomplished something, but they didn't really. Like maybe they got a few more mm-hmm. likes, but it was just in this echo chamber and and we had the lockdown anyway and people who wanted to open up opened up anyway. But you know, I, I, I think there was there is opportunities here for people who create yeah. content and double down on that, just like you have during this period, you know, that's what does well, which is is always being a a voice for safety and for hope and for improvement. That will always do well, as opposed to arguing or, you know, (laughs) finding trolls and blocking them (laughs) and reporting them. And, you know, it's it's, it's, yeah, it's tricky. But there are there are methodologies to improve, to to take a step back and say, well, I don't know, but I'm going to write down 10 questions today or 10, 10 lessons I can take or 10 books I can write or 10 businesses I could start. And maybe you don't start those 10 businesses, but it just exercises that idea muscle and it allows you to put yourself into a position where you're more likely to improve the world than, than less likely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, to me, it's just, um, I view social media like a tool, you know, it's a, it's a tool like a knife. A knife is not inherently good or bad. You can use a knife to do wonderful things to cook and you know create something or you can use a knife to attack somebody or to to kill something and th- i guess from from my own personal perspective like i i love social media right i wouldn't be able to really do what i do and be known how i'm known without it so i personally really like it the thing that does concern me is i know that we are we're both creators but most people are not right most people are you know, we all consume, but most people on social media are purely consuming. And that is sort of the part that I concerns me, that concerns me. It's not, it's not for myself. I'm a very cool, level-headed, fairly unemotional guy, but I really know that most people are not. I've got a fairly unique personality. I'm very creative. I'm very low in neuroticism. I don't, someone can write all this horrible stuff about me and I don't get really affected by it but I know that the average person is not me. So when you take that and you multiply it by hundreds of millions or billions, yeah, you know, I mean, you, you can see this if you look at uh, depression rates rising, anxiety rates rising amongst teenagers, uh, you know, more f- teenage girls are self-harming, et cetera. And it's all correlated with how much they use social media. Now I know that correlation and causation are not the same thing, but at some point it's kind of like, you know, and you, you look at little things like Instagram deciding to remove likes, you know, why did they do that? Cause they themselves were starting to see, oh, wow, maybe what we're doing here is having a real psychological impact on, on a lot of people. And, um, you know, maybe it'll be all right, but I just think, uh, it, it's, we're so, it, we're so new to it all that we don't know. Okay. Yeah. When I'm 70 years old, that's when we'll be able to look back and be like, okay, this was the effect of this thing. I, I wonder, I, I hope so. I wonder when there's a point where I could say, well, that switch has just turned off on my brain. I can relax <laughs> yeah. now. I don't know if it'll ever yeah. happen. Like, I think there's always this feeling of 
these questions of am I relevant or can I be more out there? Can I do more? Can more people mm -hmm. like me? And I, I, I don't know if that ever really goes away without really, you know, I used to be proud of myself that I would never hit the home button on Facebook or Twitter. So I used Facebook and Twitter to create content and put it out there and interact with people on my page. But I would never look at okay, just the general arguments of society. But now because I don't really trust mm -hmm. the news, I get my news from hitting home on Twitter. And because of the pandemic <laughs> and now this uh, protesting, I, I feel like I need to see the news. But maybe... Maybe it's still not yeah. important to hit the home button and, and I should get back to that because it's not like, okay, yes, if I'm about to get looted, I should probably find out what's going <laughs> on. Or if I'm, if, if I'm thinking of what's going to happen to my kids, should I send them yeah, to school because yeah. of coronavirus, I should find out what's going on. But even then, there's better sources than a random anonymous <laughs> tweeter. Like I could call up someone or I could call up several people who are doctors or I could call up you know, several people who are you know, leaders in society and, and, you know, or listen to their podcasts or, or read their blogs or newsletters. I still don't really have to hit the home button and get exposed to all the, the nonsense. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think it always gets back to probably the best thing any one person could do. It's really not a battle between the collective and the individual, the individual improving will always help the collective. So if you're in the tribe 20,000 years ago, if you get better at hunting wild boar, all you've done is improve yourself, but that helps the tribe. It doesn't, if you get better at the politics of yeah. the tribe, that probably helps nobody. Yeah, that's true. Until you get the hater who wants to take you out because you've got better boar killing ability. But you know. He, he, <laughs> yeah, but then, but then because you've got better boar killing ability, <laughs> you could probably take, you down, take down the hater. Down. Yeah. So that's the beta and you're the alpha. Awesome. By the way, it's not so bad to be the omega either. Then you don't have to eat as much because you're weaker. <laughs> You don't have to defend yourself as much, and you know, like you're not competing for for the opposite sex. So you could just like hang out and and you know smoke weed or whatever and relax. And if you get killed, well, okay, it happens, but it, whatever. That's funny, man. Awesome, man. So one 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 question I do want to ask, man, before we wrap up is, um, you know, of course we we've, we've been talking about a lot of you know a lot of positive stuff, some of the negative stuff, some of the crazy stuff. What are you most, um, what are you feeling most optimistic about right now? Well, you know, it's like, it's like when you said you were kind of an optimist realist, I, I am very much that as well. And sometimes I get accused too much of being an optimist, like during the financial recession in 2008, 2009, the, the global financial crisis, I would often go on CNBC, which is the financial news channel here. And I was optimistic. I was like, look, there's a lot of good things happening in the economy once we solve these problems and blah, blah, blah. And I remember one time I went on TV and afterwards my mom called me and she said, maybe you shouldn't smile so much. Like the stock market's going down and you're smiling on the TV. And I'm like, but mom, this is the exact time. Like things are going to get better from here. Like this is the exact time mm. to smile. And, you know, but for the first time during this period, I'm a little bit more pessimistic in part because I'm a little more uncertain mm. what's going to happen. Like things are going, you know, coronavirus is not even in the news no, anymore no. in the United States. It's just the yeah, protesting. Yeah. So, so a week ago, it was all about, well, did you social mm. distance? <laughs> now it's like, nobody yeah, cares yeah, anymore. I, like, it's just, people are just <laughs> running down the street screaming. <laughs> and, and it's not gonna, you know, so, so it's clearly this news driven hysteria. And, you know, with, with some 
there really was mm-hmm. a virus and there really are these cracks in the system that's leading to the protesting. But a lot of it is a lot of the panic is news driven. And but I am I am optimistic that we'll get over this period. And because at some point enough people will say, hey, I need to now feed my family. I need to to get better at, you know, what I do, whether I'm a writer or an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor, I need to improve. And, uh, you know, people do wear out of, of the anger. Like even, you know, there's always been these wars and the wars have been horrific, but the wars, you send the military to meet each other and fight each other, but the civilians stay home and continue building if they can. And, you know, at least that's been the way for the past couple hundred years. And, you know, at some point, we're going to all just return home and say, listen, we need to we need to just grow and build. You know, we just sent a rocket into space. We're working on, you know, all these amazing biotech and genomics cures and technologies. We're, we're improving, you know, our uh, ability to communicate with each other and to, to travel faster. And, you know, hopefully the elements of democracy will be improved through this. So I am, you know, largely optimistic. I'm just a little disturbed how how easy it was for people to get swept mm. up into this polarization. That's that's been a new thing, and I and I I don't know what it's caused by. So you know, maybe social media, maybe some people say income inequality. Mm. Uh, all I know is I I can improve myself today, and and that will make the world better because it'll make me better able to communicate and to to have discussions like this with you and, and not be so like, well, we need yeah, this yeah, yeah. and that, and we need to execute these people <laughs> now. And, you know, cause that's what it could turn into yeah. some kind of like hysterical, mm-hmm. like murder oriented society. Well, I saw one of the protests, some, someone brought along a, a flipping guillotine. I, I, it was probably a prop, but it was still pretty dark. Yeah. It's certainly symbolic of a really bad time in the early 1800s, yeah. just at a moment when people were optimistic that there would be more freedom and 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 liberty and and civil liberties and so on you know france had a little bit of setback Mm -hmm. doing it with with the guillotine and um you know and you could see the same thing happening in the u.s uh, you know on on social media like people are metaphorically killing each other um but again i think there's this is also an opportunity to, to have new ideas to have new solutions um to take a step back and say well how can we you know, take another leap forward in society and have different reforms and, and understand, you know, what, where did we go wrong? Hopefully people will say, well, what, how, do, how could we have analyzed this disease better? Hopefully this will lead to increases in, in genomics and biotech and, and vaccine technology. And, you know, with, in terms of the protesting, hopefully this could lead to some police reform, criminal justice reform, uh, the way law enforcement is conducted, you know, well, just like in France, you know, the French revolution did lead to democracy it but it took a while and you know hopefully it doesn't take as long and and again as individuals it doesn't have to take long as all at all 100 man james so good to have you on the show before we go where can people find you online uh you can find me online at tiktok james altashire oh, okay TikTok. TikTok, man. okay <laughs> or or instagram twitter my uh podcast the james altashire show and uh you know, all over the place. I try to, I have a, I have a book coming out a year from now called skip the line about how people can change passions and interests at any point in their lives. And, 
and you know reach the top one percent as quickly as possible of of that interest and and in order to make money from it and um you know hopefully we all get safely to the other side of this right now i'm sure we will man james thank you so much for coming on the show it's been really good to speak to you and have you share your wisdom and insight yeah zuby thanks for for asking me and uh and and look i i hopefully we'll all be traveling fairly you know sooner rather than later i've i've been i was in england uh four or five times in the past year and i'm looking forward to to going back there and let's let's hang out yeah definitely just let me know man Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.